0: lie right next to them. It's truly the scene of a massacre. Um, the commander said this is not a battleground. This was Hamas terrorists coming into the community and, and killing all of the citizens that that they could see. And so it's been a devastating cleanup effort. Laura, uh, this is a watershed moment, not just in Israel's conflict with Hamas in Gaza. It's a watershed moment in Israel's uh, history. Uh, entire communities erased. Good evening. This is your host, Laser Brody, on Amuna News. Uh, tonight's Amuna News podcast is entitled Reverse Miracle. We're talking about the massacre that happened in Israel. It's a reverse miracle above nature. It couldn't happen according to nature that led up to Operation Iron Swords, now currently going on, and uh, no one knows how it's going to develop. There is now gunfire, exchange of fire on the Lebanon border up north. Uh, no one knows whether there'll be a ground invasion in Gaza. The rocket fire, it's not as bad as it was yesterday, but it's still, still pretty strong, and uh, spent a lot of time in shelters in the last 48 hours. Okay, first of all, Many people in Israel are asking, "How could this possibly happen? How could this possibly happen to one of the biggest military countries, military might countries in the in, in the world, and even experienced army commanders?" We have a testimony from Yoram Erez. Yoram Erez was a former commander of the Kerem Shalom Battalion, on the responsible for policing the Gaza border, and he knows the Gaza border like the back of his hand. And he writes something doesn't add up to him. He says it's a mystery that he can't put his hand on. So here's what he writes: I happen to know how things work in Gaza and on the border. I was the commander of the Karim Shalom sector. This is near the town of Rafiah, and I was in charge of the Kisuf sector. And he knows the perimeter fence. In fact, he knows what everything. He was gone in charge when before the disengagement, the Jabalia refugee camp and the Shati refugee camp. He knew exactly what goes on there, and so. Now he explains about the border, how the border was fortified. He says the obstacle was so great that a fox couldn't cross the the Israeli Gaza border. These were alerts in three levels of pressure. And when a fence was touched, uh, there are 24 7 forces that are responsible for arriving within moments. And if not in seconds, then there's a a point of alert in the fence. And every squad has a responsibility for patrolling one part of the fence and every subdivision has a standby squad whose role is to increase the force in an emergency situation so if part of the fence is breached within moments there's a, there's the squad that's in charge of it and within moments there can be reinforcements okay now the observations are scattered according the border and they don't miss a single inch of the border and what happened is that the female observers, these are what we call the Taspaniot in Hebrew, uh, they are champions in identification. They're really capable and they're really well-trained. They don't miss anyone. Up to night, they detect a movement before it approaches the obstacle, day and night. And in problematic areas, uh, they place a tank with the, with the area because of the terrain. They can't see so well. They place a tank that the tank should guard that particular area. And the tank has observation and detection capabilities as well, and terrifying firepower. In some cases, there's even snipers, Israeli snipers deployed in the field. This was how the border, up till Operation Iron Swords, this is how the border was patrolled. A lot of questions could be answered. First of all, how did this tractor, broad daylight, manage to sabotage the fence for a whole hour and... Open a wide open gap to Israel, and nobody reacted. And how did hundreds of terrorists—not hundreds now we know it's thousands of terrorists and civilians—they cross the border without anyone lifting a finger? And how did terrorists arrive on foot and in vehicles and arrived, armed from head to toe and whole uh, pickup trucks like ISIS? The way the ISIS with with automatic weapons and they just drove in the double, dozens of, of Israeli settlements nobody there to stop them okay they looted property there wasn't a single reaction and maybe local guards in the kibbutzim, the moshavim, local police like Hde that lost their lives because they they're unarmed and, and they with a pistol and and fighting these, these grenade launchers and automatic weapons and all, all the things that the terrorists were open with armed to the guild and how did it happen? that hundreds, they think it's over 200, up to 200, maybe over 200 Israeli, uh, kid, Israeli citizens kidnapped, and terrorists kidnapped dozens of Israelis, and they woke women, and they woke up children, and can't even think we see now when the, the news is coming out that it's what you'll see, as you saw in the previous clip, that it's things that we can't even mention, that babies beheaded, and toddlers killed in their beds and they did the rape and well, the murder. the Disaster, you have not seen such massacre of Jews since the Holocaust and, and worse than Nazi behavior. Nazi and ISIS rolled into one, this is Hamas. And where would they ask, how come a bullet wasn't fired up to that point? And how come all this happened under our nose? And uh, Commander, Commander Yorimer, as he asked where did what happened to the division that's supposed to be there what happened to three brigades that were supposed to be there and did the ground swallow nine battalions that were supposed to be there and 36 companies 36 where an entire regular infantry brigade do that usually outnumbers uh, that numbers at any whatever anything that the Hamas could could possibly put they couldn't put one person on the border over the border. And where are all the reserve battalions augment the army? And when people called for for help, and where was the army? Where did they all go? And all these, he says. So, Commander Yoram-Erez says someone needs to provide explanations. That's what tonight's broadcast is. Uh, people are going to look for explanations according to nature. But Commander Yoram-Erez, there's only one answer to everything you want to investigate, rightfully so. They're exactly rightful questions, but they're according to nature. We're looking at the nature, how could this happen militarily? How could this happen, where's the breakdown? Where's the failure? It happened because Hashem made it happen. Our first principle of Amunah is that he alone did, does, and will do everything. Nothing can happen without Hashem. There's no exception to this rule. Nothing can happen without Hashem sanctioning it and letting it happen. So we have to ask ourselves, wait a second, there's no exception to this rule. If Hashem alone did, does, and will do, do you mean, people ask it, Hashem is responsible for the slaughter? Hashem is responsible for the massacre? Hashem is responsible for a thousand Israelis being the citizens that didn't do anything, any harm to anyone? Hashem's got a Torah. And Hashem has certain laws in that Torah. And we've been writing on the Torahs, talking and screaming out on social media for months already. Months already. We see what has led up to Operation Iron Swords. What has led up to Iron, Operation Iron Swords has been unprecedented intramural hate between right, between left, between religious, between non-religious. where. You Could see that the, the, the papers in Israel that stimulated the hate that the like but the Sturmer that did, did, did talked did, didn't talk about Jews like the Israeli newspaper talked about one another, opposing groups. And if we open up and mention this time and time again, Rebbeul Hasid and his famous Sefer Hasidim that was written over 800 years ago, and Rebbeul Hasid says that no enemy of the Jews is sanctioned from above to harm another Jew until one Jew harms another Jew. In other words, and the Chafetz also yelled about that, that as soon as one Jew says something nasty about another Jew, it's recorded, goes upstairs. So the evil inclination, which is the dark side, the Satan, he takes this, he says, look, Hashem, here, I've got evidence that uh Uh, your your Jewish children don't deserve to live. Here, look what one says about the other. One says about the other, he's this and he's that and he's that. So we have from all this intramural hate, it was enough to destroy the temple. It was enough to bring on a Holocaust. It was enough to to bring on the worst calamities ever, ever. And there's proof to it. The Midrash tells us that in the time of King David, King David had casualties armies right and left. And they asked, how could they do King David, the kids of King David's generation, they knew Torah 49 ways backward and forward by heart, and they got killed in the wars. They had many casualties. King David won his wars, but they had many, many casualties. But then in the time of the worst idolater in Jewish history, which was King Ahab, the seventh king of Israel, after there was a civil war and Judea became one empire, and Israel became a separate empire. The 10 northern tribes that were first to be exiled. That's the lost tribes that we talk about today. Ahab won all his wars. People ask, wait a second. Ahab, he was the worst idolater. He went again. Once then, every single prophet, everything, everything, every clause of Torah went against. But yet, Ahab's soldiers, they came back smelling of aftershaves. Nobody got hurt in the war. The Midrash tells us how. They did not. Say one bad thing about one another. They were unified, they together unified. And this, <laughs> Hashem, Then the, the Torah tells us about the Tower of Babel. Why did why did they almost succeed in what they wanted to do? Because they were unified, and that's why Hashem mixed up their languages and gave them different languages, so they couldn't communicate with one another. One asked for a hammer. And somebody gave him a, a nail, and they hit him on the head, and he started right, and they because they first all the face of the earth. And that was the end of the revolt against the Almighty, the Tower of Baphil. But here we see in Israel this past year, there's been a terrible revolt against the Almighty. The country's gone away from Shabbat. The country's gone away. The Shabbat, the Torah tells us that if you if you observe the Shabbat, you protect the Shabbat, you honor the Shabbat, the Shabbat protects you. Okay, in Shabbat, there should be the breach of their breach of loving, the one of the most important mitzvahs in the Torah, loving our neighbor as ourself. And now what happened? Look what happened. The smoke clears, and we have heaven forbid, heaven forbid, slaughtered babies and a thousand dead, maybe 1,200 of our brothers and sisters killed. What what who could say? my hands didn't spill that blood. Who can say that all this past year, while Iran and Syria were training Hamas and giving them the money and giving them the trains, giving them the weapons and the means for a whole year, who could say that during that year, this past year, from Rosh Hashanah 5783 to just a few weeks ago, Rosh Hashanah 5784, who could say that during that year, they didn't say a detrimental thing about another Jew. Who can say that? We know that when some Brabudul Khassan tells us when a person says something detrimental about another Jew, he creates an accusing angel. We say, but about these Hamas beasts, they're unhuman. Yes, they're human Because the dark side angels, the dark side angels, they they came to massacre. So what, what do we do? What do we do? First of all, we have to be unified, and the cure, the cure to what happened, and the key to victory is to be unified. First of all, to be unified, unified, and not to say first thing, love everybody, love everybody. Don't look, we're not, we're not a Shem's cop in the world, and we're not a Shem's judge. We don't judge any anybody but ourselves. We do self-assessment. We go to bed at night, but we don't judge anyone else. Don't say a single detrimental word about anyone. Talk about this here, all year long, and go back and document it on social media and and, and Muna Beams that we've been writing about, and the danger of all this intramural hate. But now when the smoke clears, all of a sudden, there's no more intramural hate. That the right and the left, and just tonight, the right and the left are sitting down talking about making a unity government, and but of should but (laughs) they should only be so. Because when we're unified, and especially unified, Ahab was unified, and he broke every rule of Torah. So if we were unified, and we would observe the Shabbat, and improve the holiness in the land of Israel, it's another thing. The Torah says the Torah says that the holy land this is the, this is the king's this is the king's encampment, and your encampment must be holy in the land of Israel. It's no joke because if they're in a place where there's unsightliness, as the Torah calls it, which is unholiness, then the divine presence leaves. So you can see wherever there is debauchery, wherever there is uh, impurity, wherever there's immodesty, it's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place because uh, the divine presence leaves. So really what happens is the land of Israel is the safest place in the world for a Jew that keeps Shabbat that uh, observes personal holiness and especially observes the holiness of his or her tongue and doesn't talk about it on the Jew. So this is what we want to do. Right now, there's firing, the beating on the Lebanon border. Nobody knows if that's going to start. Nobody knows if it's going to be a two-front war. Who knows? It could it could even be within the the the, the Arabs of uh, of Israel. If, if they start an uprising, we certainly hope not because it's plenty busy. But what can we do? There's so much we could do if, according to Rabbi Yudal Hasid, that our evil tongue and our lack of uh, honoring the Shabbat and our lack of personal holiness, this created these dark side savage angels, then by our clean tongue and our loving one another and our unity and our strengthening our observance of Shabbat and our strengthening our personal holiness – especially our modesty, then we destroy those angels. And that will give us a victory no matter what. And Hashem will come down and we'll have a miraculous, a positive miracle rather than this negative miracle where there was no way in the world where Hamas could get one terrorist over the border and they got thousands of people. And let's say the rest is history, but it's miracles. And the miracles, each one of us must feel responsible. Each one must feel responsible that what we do in our personal department, that is going to affect not only the welfare of every Israeli soldier, but the welfare of the Jewish people, especially the Jewish people in Israel. And we know what King David says. If Hashem doesn't protect the city, then the guardsmen, stands guard for naught and nothing. So let's do everything to strengthen ourselves. And this is the war effort. And Hashem should give us a speedy and complete victory. Amen.